Thank you for listening to Simple Church, where we love God, love others, and serve our world. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Tom Allen. We've been uh, having a, a real good study here this month on the Bible. Uh, next Sunday, we start a brand new series. It's going to run for two years, but it's in a lot of different series forms in a lot of very applicable ways. It's called Two Years of Truth. And we're going to start with the book of Matthew next week, and we're going to start learning God's applicable truths to our lives from the Gospels and the letters of Paul and, and the whole New Testament, and I think you'll find it to be very exciting, and I hope life-changing for so many, many of us. And so to prepare us, what we've done for the last three Sundays is we've been trying to learn the Bible for grown-ups. You see, our problem is that when we were children, many of us were in what was called Sunday school. And in Sunday school or at Christmas time or for birthday or maybe for communion, we got a, a Bible, a, 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 a set of 66 books in an imitation leather-bound cover, you know, that, that had our name stamped in gold down on the bottom. And that was the Bible. And we've always had the Bible, and, and, and we stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. That's what I was taught all my life, and that's what I've learned. So what we've been trying to do is to say, how did we get the Bible? Why is the Bible so important? And what does the Bible say for us today? So we've learned how we got the Old Testament and what that was. And today, we want to learn about the New Testament. Now, everything that we have learned can be summarized in two statements, okay? The first statement is this. The New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. Now, what that means is the New Testament... Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and all those books, they were concealed in the Old Testament. So when you were reading the Old Testament, you'd see little visions, little pictures, little ideas, little prophecies about something that's coming in the future, but it was all concealed there in the Old Testament. They didn't really understand it. They knew that there was this Messiah that someday would come and, and, and he would bless the world, but that's about all they could figure out from all those prophecies and all of those killing of lambs and shedding of blood and all of that stuff in the Old Testament. So the New Testament in the Old Testament was concealed. It was there, but real hard to understand. But the Old Testament in the New Testament is revealed. In other words, when you read the New Testament, all of a sudden, all of that stuff from Genesis 1 through the book of Malachi, it makes sense in those Jewish scriptures from what we call today our Old Testament because now we have the revelation of this Messiah, who is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came to bring forgiveness to the world. So probably one of the most interesting things that we have learned is that the New Testament church obeyed God and really sought to know and keep his teachings for their lives. But what's really interesting about it is the New Testament church obeyed God, and ultimately turned the world upside down, and they didn't have the Bible. They didn't have the Bible. The Bible didn't come into existence till around the end of the 4th century, which was around 386 A.D. So all they had in those early New Testament times were documents 
Documents that were starting to be written by people who had seen Jesus after he was resurrected. And they said, we've got to write this down. We've got to have a good record of what has happened. And so Matthew and Mark and Luke and John started writing down all that they had seen. They had been with Jesus before he died. They were with Jesus after he was resurrected. And they started writing it all down, his teachings and, and his example of his life and all of that. And then Paul came along, and Paul was this great apostle. And he started writing letters to the churches that he established. And then some other people wrote some letters. And today, we have the Bible. But how did it come into existence? So what we're going to do, before we answer that question, is we're going to turn to the writings of Paul for a short time this morning. And we're going to learn what he said, and we're going to learn why he and his writings were so important. Now, what amazes me is as you read about this guy named Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul, the greatest apostle of Jesus who ever lived, the man who started churches all over the Mediterranean, and, and, and he, wrote, he wrote about half of the New Testament. This guy, Saul of Tarsus, was a horrible man. He was brilliant. He had kind of dual citizenships in Rome and in Israel. But he hated Christ. He hated Christianity. He hated Christians. He went around persecuting Christians as much as he could. He even stood by as some Christians were being killed, and he put his sanction on it. And as you get to know his life, you say, how in the world, why in the world would God choose Saul of Tarsus to become Paul, the greatest apostle of the Christian church? And I'm going to answer that by saying, I have no idea. Okay? Because I don't have any idea why God chooses you or me, let alone this guy that would... I would never choose. He'd be last on my list. And God chose him to be great in the kingdom of God. Now, I'll tell you what that says to you and me. That says, regardless of what you or I have done, regardless of where you or I have been, regardless of how we've ever treated anyone in our lives, there is room in the kingdom for you and me because I'm sure none of us here today have done what Saul of Tarsus did. And God has chosen us. He's called us. That's why we're in this room together today because he's working in our lives. And that gives us all great hope. So today we want to see three reasons why Paul is so important in the Bible. Okay? First of all, he wrote... Almost half of the Bible. Nine of the books in the New Testament, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, those nine books were written to the churches that he started all around in the Mediterranean. And then he wrote four other books to three other people, to Timothy, and he wrote to Titus, and to Philemon. And his letters that he wrote to those churches were copied and they were read over and over again until they were considered in that New Testament church setting to be sacred. These are God's words to us. This is God's way for us to live out our Christian faith. But understand something. 
when Paul was writing all those letters to those churches, and when he was writing to Timothy and Titus and Philemon, I want you to know he never, ever thought they would ever be in a book called the Bible. Never thought. I mean, no one had the Bible in mind. There was no thought that there would ever be anything like that. At that time, there, was just, there were just documents. And those documents included a lot of the Hebrew Scripture. And those documents included the New Testament writings that we've talked about. So, the first reason that Paul is important is he wrote about half of what turned out to be the New Testament. The second reason he's important is this. He explains the relationship between the Old Covenant, that's what we call the Old Testament, and the New Covenant, which we call the New Testament. Now, I think if Paul were our pastor and he would come to us as children, he would make two statements to us. The first statement would be this. Read the Old Testament for inspiration and motivation. The question is, should we read the Old Testament? Boy, you better believe it, because it is full of the history of the Jews from creation all the way through till 400 years before Jesus was born. So all of the history of the Jews, God's working to establish a nation, God's blessing upon people's lives, God raising up prophets, God doing things like David and Goliath and Daniel in the lion's den and Samson and the temple fallen down. I mean, all those stories, you read that stuff, it's so inspirational and it's even motivational. But God wants us to understand something. The Old Testament is not what he has for us in the New Testament to apply. Because the second thing Paul, as our pastor to children, would say, take your application cues from Jesus' New Testament or New Covenant commandment. In other words, when it comes to trying to know how to live your life, how to manage your finances, how to manage your marriage, how to manage your relationships... Take your application cues from the new covenant. And I believe right here in that understanding is why Christianity gets so messed up and is looked at so many times by the world as hypocritical. Because you see, God had a work to do in a people called the Jews, the Jewish nation. He started it in Genesis chapter 12 with Abraham and the, what's called the Abrahamic covenant, where he said, I will bless you, I will make a great nation out of you, and from you will come one who will bless the world, okay? But this Old Testament Jewish scripture, Old Covenant, was for the Jews, and that was God's word to the Jews. Can we learn from it? Can it motivate us? Can it teach us? Can it inspire us? You better believe it. There's so much wisdom in Proverbs. There's so much worship in Psalms. There's so many great stories throughout the Old Testament. It's wonderful. But God has a new covenant. Because you see, when Jesus came, he brought a brand new covenant into existence, a whole better way to live our lives as believers in Christ. And what happens is, we try to take all this stuff out of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the Jewish Scriptures, and we try to apply it to the New Testament, grace-filled, mercy-filled 
new covenant that God worked for us through Jesus Christ. And we get everything all messed up. And that's the reason that we get so rigid and we get so ritualistic and we get so legalistic is because we're trying to apply a lot of the old covenant teachings in the new covenant. The new covenant is a covenant of grace. It's a covenant of mercy. It's a covenant of forgiveness. It's a covenant where the old covenant would say, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. The new covenant says, if somebody slaps you on the cheek, then turn your other cheek. The new covenant says, if someone asks you for your coat, then give him your shirt also. It's a whole new way of looking at life. It's a whole new grace-filled way of understanding our relationship with God, our Father in heaven, through Christ his Son, and with each other. So we have this whole new understanding of the Word of God in the new covenant. Let me read you what 2 Corinthians 3, 6 says about it. It's really powerful. It says, he has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. That's this new testament, this, this new way of living our lives, better than the old covenant. We are he has enabled us to be ministers of the new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, that's the old covenant, but of the Spirit who has now been given to the church, to all who believe in Christ. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. And, and that life is one that's abundant. That life is one that's full of joy. That life is one that is to be filled with love and forgiveness and kindness. All those fruit of the Spirit, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, meekness, temperance. God wants us to live our lives that way. So we apply the New Testament to our lives. We learn tremendous stories and motivation from the Old Covenant, but we learn how to live our lives for Christ from the New Covenant. That's the reason we're starting a study of the Bible in Matthew instead of Genesis. We'll get there. A lot to learn. But we want to start and be sure we understand the New Covenant and how God wants to work in us today. See, our society goes by the golden rule. And the golden rule says this, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, basically, the golden rule is kind of selfish when you really think about it. It sounds so cool, <laughs> but it's really selfish because it's about me. See, I'm going to treat you good so you'll treat me good, okay? And I get the benefit, all right? And so what Paul and what the writers of the New Testament taught us under the leading of God it's what I would like to call, instead of the golden rule, the platinum rule. You know, if you have a gold credit card and then you move up to platinum, you're really cool, you know? Well, now we've got the platinum rule, okay? And John tells us about the platinum rule over in John 13, verses 34 through 35. Here's what he says. So now, that was then, but now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. <laughs> all of a sudden, all the selfishness is gone. Because you see, I am to love you the way Jesus loved. That means he was willing to die. 
It wasn't what he would get out of it, though he got a church and a bride. But it was what he could do for us. It was all about us. I'm going to die for you so that you can be forgiven and become children of God. That's the platinum rule, that we are to love just as he loved us. We should love each other. And then he goes on and he closes that verse off by saying, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. If there's anything I pray for this wonderful gathering of people called Simple Church, is that we would love God and connect with him on a daily basis. And that's why we have the two years of truth. We want to just every day be taking some of God's word in. And, and I'll t mention that again in a moment. But that's also why we say we want to know each other. That's why you sit around circular tables. I got so tired of people coming into church and not knowing people. So now you're forced to at least look at somebody. Okay? And hopefully talk to somebody. Because you see, Christianity is all about connecting with God and connecting with each other. And we want to be said about this church, my God, how they love each other. How they care for each other. Because you see, the greatest witness we have in this world is for this world to see how much you and I love each other and then let that flow out on them as we go out into the world all week long. That's how God wants the new covenant to be lived out through your life and mine. So Paul wrote a whole bunch of the, of the New Testament, and, and Paul also shows us the relationship between the old covenant and the new covenant. But then the third thing he did is this. Paul is important in the story of the Bible because he authenticates the most important event recorded in the Bible, and that is the resurrection. Now, understand something. So, God creates the heavens and the earth. Wonderful. So, God creates a nation of Israelites. Wonderful. So, God... Um, gives to a virgin Mary the seed of his son, Jesus Christ. And there's this miraculous virgin birth. Wonderful. And so Jesus lives this perfect life. Wonderful. And then Jesus dies the perfect death on the cross and pays the penalty for our sins and is buried in a tomb. Wonderful. Absolutely none of that matters if he hadn't been resurrected. Because you see, a dead savior is no savior at all. The resurrection makes all the difference. And Paul's big on the resurrection. Man, the whole book, so much of 1 Corinthians is, is all about how important the resurrection is to our faith. Because if our savior's dead, we don't have any faith. And Christianity doesn't matter, and Christ doesn't matter, and the Old Testament doesn't matter, and the New Testament doesn't matter. But if he's alive, man, we better take this seriously. Because God's got something for us through a resurrected savior. So, um, what we have to realize is Paul's letter to the Corinthians was all about, in many places, the resurrection. And it was indisputable evidence that Jesus' resurrection was accepted, not eventually, 
But he was accepted almost immediately by all of the people. Now, what I, uh, I want to show you some scripture. And I hope you'll stick with this. Put, put your thinking cap on. This is such cool stuff. And it shows you that immediately, very shortly after Jesus was resurrected and went back to be with his father, the people believed in the resurrection. I mean, on the day of Pentecost, 40 days or so after his resurrection, there were thousands of people who put their faith in Christ, and the church was started, and, and, and God started blessing. Let me read you scripture about the resurrection from 1 Corinthians 15, 1, and then 3 through 9. Paul is saying, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. And here's what he teaches. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. Now, that's what the Christians in Jerusalem believed. That was their faith, because they'd seen it. I mean, Jesus appeared to 500 or more people after he was resurrected. And people touched him, and people ate with him, and people heard from him. People spent time with him, up to 500 or more. So he says, he was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter. And what Paul is saying, I was in Jerusalem and I was talking to Peter and Peter told me, I saw him resurrected. It's real. And he says, and then he was seen by the 12. He said, I was in Jerusalem. I talked to those, those 12. He said, I, I, I heard from them. This is real. And then he said, after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive. And Paul's saying, I talked to a bunch of them. And after that, uh, and then he goes on and he says, though some of them have died, and then he was seen by James. Now, you've got to understand, he had talked to James, and James had told him, yeah, Jesus was like, you've got to understand, J James is Jesus' brothers. And, and James didn't even believe that Jesus was the Messiah when he was alive, and they were brothers. Because, you know, it's hard to, for brothers to believe that one brother is better than the other, you know, creates some family dynamics, Okay. But after his death and resurrection, James became the pastor of the church of Jerusalem because he had seen his brother alive. And Paul is saying, I talked to James. I was in Jerusalem. And he said, and he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. And then Paul adds this. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, <laughs> I also saw him. And I'll tell you where he saw him. There was a day when he was walking on a road to Damascus. And all of a sudden, the book of Acts tells us, out of heaven, a huge light shone down on him and blinded him for three days. And he saw Jesus. That light was Jesus Christ who called him and commissioned him. He said, Paul, you are called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. They, the Jews have their pastors. They have their rabbis, their teachers. You are called to be a pastor, an apostle to the Gentiles. And so Paul says, I also saw him. And that humbled him so much. So he said this. He said, for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church.
Well, Paul's very important in our New Testament story. Wrote so much of it. Helps us understand so much of it. Now, what we have to understand is, even at his time, even while he was writing these documents and letters, there was no Bible. You know, we have to understand that, that, that uh, Paul went on and, and, and he wrote his letters and then some others wrote. James, the, the brother of Jesus, wrote his book of James. And, and Peter uh, dictated two letters that were included in the Bible called First and Second Peter. And, and Apostle John also wrote several letters. He wrote First and Second and Third John. They're all at the end of the New Testament. And then he wrote the Revelation. But the important thing is all the New Testament writings were written not as the Bible, catch this now, they were written as authentic documents of what Jesus said and did, because these people said, this is unbelievable what he said and did, and this is unbelievable the impact and application it has for our lives, so we've got to write it down. And God was working in them, and God was moving them to write down all of this sacred truth. And the Holy Spirit was leading in those writings. So understand, as Paul was writing, yes, he was writing, but God was putting thoughts and putting truth into his heart and mind. The Holy Spirit was guiding that, and Paul was inspired by the Spirit to write that down so that there would be a record of what God wanted his people to hear. That's true for Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. And that's true for all of the books of the New Testament. And, and over in Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16, it puts it this so clearly. All Scripture is inspired by God. The term is really God-breathed or God-led. In other words, God breathed this Scripture into the hearts and minds of the writers and, and then he says, all of that scripture which was breathed by God or inspired by God, it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It connects us when we are wrong, it corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. So, <laughs> we got all these documents floating around. Huh? What's going to happen to them? Uh, where did the Bible come from? I, I mean, I got this thing. I got it, you know, and as a kid, I got this, you know, gold embossed here, imitation leather. This isn't real, so I'd say, you know. Well, here's what happened. In the 300s, earlier part of the 300s, and then toward the latter part of the 300s, there were several what are called councils. I won't bore you with all the history, but the, the councils were where spiritual religious leaders, bishops of the church, leaders of the church, pastors of the church, they got together. And, and they read all of this, these documents that were floating around. And they were led by God okay, to, to start working on them. Now, you've got to understand, from Jesus' time... And from the documents time, up until in 300s, there was a ban by the Roman emperors that no one could study about or have these documents read or printed in the Roman kingdom because, because Rome had their gods and they don't want any other gods being worshipped, like Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
And so there'd been a ban on it. And then in the 300s AD, God got a hold of a Roman leader by the name of Constantine. And Constantine took that ban away and he said, now, I want all of those documents to be read and studied and preserved and protected and I want you to do whatever you want to do with them. And so these councils got together. And, and here's an amazing statement. The empire that was responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, 300 years later, funded the copying and collection of these documents together as the B-I-B-L-E. And it was at that time a copy of the Jewish scriptures, that's all of this Old Testament teaching, and... The Christian documents were combined into the Bible, and this book, over the course of 2,000 years, changed and shaped the whole culture and understanding of truth for the Western civilization of our world. And our country is founded on the teachings of the Old Testament and the New Testament in what we call our Judeo-Christian world and life view, which is the foundation of the United States of America in much of our Constitution, in much of our documents for our nation. And, but more importantly, that book has shaped my life. Maybe that book has shaped your life. And that's why I read it every day, because it changes my life as I read it. Two years of truth, as I've read, it has had an impact on me. Reading stuff I've read many times before. And that's why we want to encourage everyone to join this two years of truth. You'll hear about it again at the end of our, of our uh, time together today. I encourage you to join it. Now let me close off. I know I've gone over today, but I had to close the series off. Sorry. Happy New Year. Okay. Two statements. The Bible did not create Christianity. The resurrection created Christianity. Let me show you how it happened. Christianity is the result of an event. Okay? It's the resurrection. If the resurrection hadn't taken place, who cares? But we got a living Savior. So, Christianity is the result of an event, the resurrection, that started and created a movement of thousands and thousands of people who either saw or believed what others saw, that Jesus is alive. And they received him as their savior. So the resurrection started a movement, and out of that movement came these texts, these documents, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Grace, right on through. And those documents... Gospels, Paul's epistles, other writings, they were collected and protected and bound into a book called Tabiblia, or the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. That's where I learned that. But that's how we got... Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> the, 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 you always got a smart aleck or two in the group, you know, it just, it's the way it goes. But that's how we got this book that is foundational 
to our faith because it's God's word to us. It's the truth that when we know it, it sets us free. It's the truth that when we know it and love it and obey it, it keeps us from disobedience to our God. It's the truth that is like a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. It shows us how to live the life that God has called us to live. So the most important question you can ask today is not, do you, do, do you uh, have peace with everything that's in the book? Because I will tell you, not everyone has peace because there's some hard stuff in here and not everybody likes what they hear. But that's not the important question. The important question is what the Bible teaches and that is this. Are you at peace with the God who sent his son into this world to die and pay for your sinfulness so we could have what Jesus promised. And that is eternal life that begins right here in this life and then lasts forever as we go to be with our Lord and Savior in his place because of faith in him. That's the important message of the Bible. That's the important question of the Bible. So I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. You'll have about 15 minutes for table talk today, maybe. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're here today and you know Christ as your Savior, and you are sure, you can say, I am a believer in Christ. Boy, praise the Lord. Give him praise. If you're here today and you're not sure that you know Christ as the forgiver of your sin and the leader of your life, then I encourage you, Take this book seriously because it is a new covenant of God's love and grace and mercy to you that says if you can humble yourself and repent of your sin and if you can believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you want to turn your life over to him, then he is ready today to receive you, forgive you, and make you a child of God. That's available because of what the Bible teaches us that Jesus did for us when he died on the cross and when he arose from the grave. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, there's a, a prayer up on the screen. And if you would want to ask Christ to come into your life today, there's nothing magical about the words. But boy, if your heart's ready to receive him, he says, whoever will call upon me shall be saved. So if you want to. You can ask him to come into your heart and life today and forgive you and lead you. Take another 20, 30 seconds, and if you want to look at that prayer, and if you want to pray it, ask Christ to be your Savior. Lord, help us to take seriously what we've learned these last four weeks about a book that is so special to us because it is your word inspired and written by you through your messengers, preserved and recorded for us over the centuries so that we could know what you want us to know today. We thank you for this grown-up understanding of the Bible. God, I pray that your word will not return void in anybody's life in this room today and that you will do your work 
anyone here who needs to ask you to be their savior, their forgiver, their lover, their friend, their leader, may they ask that today. And may you bless them as they seek to learn of you and follow you and become more of what you want. We love you. We thank you for this marvelous plan you've had since the day you created the heavens and the earth. Through the day you gave us Jesus, through to this very day where we could hear and learn and know these truths. May you use it all for your glory and may you bless the study starting next Sunday and may we be people who leave every week ready to go out and let the world see how much you love them through us because we love you and we love each other. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you're new or want to know more about our Simple Church family, you can visit us online at simple.church or by downloading our Simple.Church app.